Alright, welcome back to another episode of Fast Break Lip NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. Got with me a guest, special guest, my boy Robel of Sub Me and Coach. Does a lot of great NBA videos on YouTube. Make sure y'all check those out. I'll make sure to have a link in the description. He does NBA videos on NBA players, NBA prospects coming up. So Robel, say what's up to the people. What's good, man? I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you coming on. Um... We're going to be talking uh, mostly about NBA prospects, but before we get into that, Rebel, I want to ask you about how are you feeling about your Raptors heading into this offseason? I know there's a lot of uncertainty with guys like Serge Ibaka possibly leaving, Marcus Saul. Um, you got Fred Van Vliet with his recent comments, and then you also have, um, what is it? You got um, Norman Powell, who seems to be an interesting trade piece that I've seen brought up by you and other people on Raptors Twitter as like something that could be used to gain assets. So how are you feeling about all that? Uh, I'm pretty content right now. Just, I would like uh Fred Van Vliet and Ibaka to be back. Just at least two out of those guys, mainly Van Vliet though. Cause we do need a, like, you know, a point guard for the future. But yeah, like, um, I, I always, like the comments didn't surprise me that the comments that he said on the JJ Reddick podcast because I already know how he is, and I've already I spoke on it on like uh, the Strickland podcast that he's not a guy that's like he loves the Toronto culture like he's just a guy that he already has the ring, he has irrational confidence and thinks he's better than he is, and he's not like super grateful for Toronto to give him that opportunity because if like the Detroit Pistons gave him that opportunity. He just felt like he would make the most out of it in any situation. So it's not like he was super tied down to Toronto. And that's why I had to like tell people, yeah, there's like a real chance of him leaving. And I think that those comments solidified it. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to get paid. It's not like a DeRozan thing where he's just super loyal to the city, you know? Like he's 26. He's not, he's a 5'10 five, five, point guard. Like he's not going to get a big, um, raise like that again so he has to capitalize on it now yeah i, w- I found it very interesting because I'm, I'm i'm an as a knicks fan i'm like fred van vliet is like one of the t- targets that the team has been rumored to target and i'm worried that they might overpay him in a similar situation to how they overpaid tim hardaway jr in the past and julius randall because you know he's he seems more of like seem he seems more for that secondary tertiary role on a team rather than a primary role. And the Knicks usually pay these type of guys to be primary roles. So that's my main concern with with his comments and like how the Knicks may be looking into him as a target in free agency. So my my counterpoint to that is um if you want Fairly to be a primary, it's not gonna be good, but the Knicks aren't trying to be good. So True. he helps you lose games. So that's the thing. Like if you're signing Van Vliet he helps you in the way that he makes RJ have a lesser role, which is needed for him. And he provides efficient spacing. And everyone just like has a clear leader. He's obviously a vet, NBA championship, has that experience. People could look to him for advice and stuff like that. And he's just a very scalable player for three, four of the young prospects that the Knicks have. Yeah. And he doesn't win you enough games to where you don't have a chance for a top five pick because there's going to be nights where Fred Van Lee struggles, like being the primary guy. So if you want, if you guys are kind of worried about Fred being, not being in the right position, 
that's not like something you guys re- they really need to worry about because you're not trying to make the playoffs. If he was in the most optimized um, role, you'd be making the playoffs, and that's not what the Knicks should be doing. They should just sign uh, players that fit well with the young core so they can develop in their right roles. Like RJ's doing a little bit too much right now, and uh, Mitch is. Mitch is just like Mitch is developing pretty nicely like recently, but I think he still needs like a lead guard to give him drop off passes and everything. Someone that could really create for himself and put pressure on the defense. And Fevon Lee could do that. So Yeah, I do like the fit. It's just a matter of how much they're gonna pay. That's that's my main concern. Cause I don't mind Fred Van Vliet coming to the team overall. Like for for most of the points that you mentioned, because the Knicks do desperately like they've needed a lead guard for like forever now. And it seems like it's it's needed even more, especially with the the players that we have with RJ. RJ is more suited for that secondary role, as you've mentioned. And I think you even mentioned it in your RJ Barrett video that he's more suited to be like a, a secondary ball handler. And um, Mitch, yeah, Mitch does need a lead guard because like we had Alfred Payton and he's OK, but he's OK for like a backup role. like, And he didn't even look for Mitch that much when he was playing. So I do like the fit of Fred Van Vliet. It's just a matter of like, how much they're going to pay him. That's my main issue there. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, you know, it's the same issue that the Raptors have. How much are you going to pay, like, an overqualified, like, uh, secondary guard, right? Because, yeah. I mean, for the Raptors, it's a different situation. You actually need a guy that can be your lead lead guy, like your lead initiator, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I would say, like, you you could get away with overpaying him, and then next year... Like let's say you you guys lose, you know, I don't know how many games, but um and then you get like a BJ Boston and then BJ grows into that primary role and then Fevavli becomes like, you know, as he get he like slides into the secondary spot. Okay. And that would be great because you don't need like so much money to be um like you're not gonna be really tied down with Fevavli's contract because I think he'll still be a tradable asset because he yeah. fits with everyone, right? He's like the ideal player that you want to put next to a bigger initiator. Like he would work amazing with Ben Simmons, Giannis, Zion, uh, like you know Pascal, obviously, and mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. All of these like six, seven guys that can handle the ball need a guy like Van Vliet when they um, need a break. They need to get easy buckets some way, right? And they need someone to handle the ball and uh, space the floor for them. And he can do both of those things. So I just think he's still an asset, even if he's getting paid like twenty mil. Okay, I think I think you've convinced me a little more, to ease myself a little bit more into the Fred Van Vliet signing when it whenever it happens, if it does. <laughs> but um, going into um, some draft conversation, why do you think this draft is so? I guess disrespected because like a lot of people say like this draft is like one of the weakest drafts ever. Like there's like no stars. It's like only LaMelo and maybe Anthony Edwards. And then it's like, it. I think the lack of March madness probably considers it um, probably like um, backs that reasoning. Why, but why do you think this draft class is so disrespected? I mean, it has no like real, clear star bets right so that's how i rate these drafts it's like how many franchise changing players are in the draft and like you compare it to like 2018 like 2018 was such a good draft you have like 
Luca, Trey, Aiton, Jaron Jackson Jr. And they have all like franchise altering upsides, right? Yeah. So it's like and then you look at the um, the 2020 class and you're just like the metal maybe, like that's a big maybe. And then and another big maybe. And then yeah, like I like Killian a lot, but I don't think he he has that ceiling. So it's like yeah, I mean I wouldn't call it a good draft then, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. Like it's not there's no Zion, there's no Luca, this like you know, it's like that's not a good draft. It's not something that multiple teams are worth like looking to tank towards. Yeah. And I feel like um I feel like this draft, it has like a lot of guys that like if they're in the ideal situation, they can maximize their potential. But like if they if some of these guys get drafted to situations where it's not ideal for them, then I feel like that's where people will look back and be like, oh, yeah, it was a weak draft in in, in the end of it. So I think that's how that's how I look at it, at least. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Like there's there's guys that could um, there's a guy that could be picked out like 14th. And then everyone's like, how did he fall to 14th? Yeah. Or if he went to 13th, he wouldn't have been that good. That's the thing. Like it's all um, these guys are all like they need the right context to succeed as players. So when we look back and, you know, we have to remember the when we look back in hindsight, we have to remember the context of what we're in right now is like there is good situations for specific players and then there's bad situations. And then good players just make it like very talented players can make like configure it out regardless because teams will like cater to those players more. But these guys are just not good enough for that. So that's how I see it. And having and the draft is like so close to free agency for like the first time ever with like the draft is the 18th, I believe. And then free agency begins on the 20th and then deals can be signed on the 22nd. Do you think that having the draft so close to free agency will affect how the teams may pick in this draft or do you think it won't matter at all? Oh, I think it bad. I think the free agency that started two weeks ago under the table. Like I know there's some teams that already have like a, a signed player in the bag right now. They're just waiting on that date so they can have their handshake. So it's like it definitely does because I know the teams are talking right now because every year there's players that get signed like one minute into the free agency period. So yeah, it's definitely <laughs> gonna affect it. Like they're talking right now. And the same thing with like trades, like we saw like how the Chris Paul thing is developing. I think that's probably already a done deal at this point with the way that the talks have been progressing. Like within a matter of minutes, it was like, oh, Chris Paul is talking. It was like um, the Thunder and the Suns are talking. And then the next minute, it was like Chris Paul is talking to the Suns. It's like it's probably already done. So who knows what other deals are done with like picks and like other players being signed. So, yeah, it could be a very hectic week next week. No, it is for sure. It's going to be fun. I can't I can't wait honestly. Um so going into some prospects that um we we were speaking about how like ideal situations really matter for like guys in these in this class. One guy that I've seen like mock to the Knicks so many times and I'm just like why it's Tyrese Halliburton and you probably you probably heard some some of the guys I, I listened to the, the Strickland podcast and they were talking about Tyrese Halliburton and how they how they also don't like the fit with him on New York or like what's the hype behind him. But what what is your take on Tyrese Halliburton? Uh I don't think he's a top ten player in this draft. I will say 
uh, some positives about him that he's an amazing passer and he has such high feel as a basketball player. I don't think he'll ever be a bust. It's just I wish his stock wasn't as high as it is right now because he's the type of player that makes like good teams better, but not like he can't make a a bad player into a better one because you'd have to draw double teams for that. And his scoring ability is like his self creation ability is just not there. Like he can't really get by people. Uh, the pull up isn't really there. There's no shake, no handle. Like his body's really underdeveloped, even though he's a sophomore. It's just not someone that I'd give a lot of touches to as a primary. And then even as a secondary ball handler, I'd still uh, feel really shaky about that. So I feel like he needs to go. Like a lot of people like him on the Hawks because they have Trey Young next to him. But then his defense on the ball is not good. Like, I've, yeah, it's just not good. He needs to be like in a guard duo. He needs to be the worst defender. Like he needs to be the one that's being hidden and then do the off ball uh, defensive playmaking stuff because he's very good at that. But Trey also needs to be hidden. So that would be the worst like defensive backcourt in the NBA. So I really don't like that. This when you really think about Halliburton, there's not a lot of teams in the lottery. I mean in the top ten or like the top five where he'll get drafted to that really makes sense. So I don't really understand why his stock is so high. Yeah, I've watched some of his um his his tape from this this past year and the year before, and I'm just like yeah, I agree with the passing. He's a very good passer, but like what does that mean if you can't really get into the paint, if you can't really self-create, like you said, like all that passing is is not going to be really utilized to its maximum ability if he can't really break down the defense with his dribble and then get some penetration and then kick out. And that's what like a team like the Knicks is looking for. And you're not going to get that with Tyrese Halliburton. So I don't understand why so many people mock him to the Knicks. I think it's just a matter of like, oh, the Knicks need a point guard. So let's just put a point guard there. And that's the one that they usually put. So. Yeah, I mean, they like to, everyone likes to use the word safe with Halliburton. And that's not, I mean, that should be an insult when you're being called safe. It basically just means you have no upside, right? <laughs> and I guess yeah. for the Knicks, they'll be like, yeah, the Knicks just need a safe guy that, you know, he's going to be guaranteed to be good. I do like, I do think he's going to be a good spot of shooter, but it's just spot of shooting and playmaking when everyone knows you're going to be passing the ball. It's like, it kind of uh, minimizes the value. Right, so yeah, especially on the Knicks, he just doesn't bring value on that team. He brings like if he fell all the way down to like um the Celtics or something, that'd be a pretty good fit. But he needs to go to like a team that's you know, like the thing is, he would work way better on playoff teams because he's just like an all star role player type of guy, but mm-hmm. he's not like really a core piece. So, like, w- w- a good comparison to him would probably be, like, a Malcolm Brogdon when he was on the Bucks, right? Or am no, I? Nah, because Malcolm Brogdon can score. Like, Malcolm true, Brogdon can get true, to the game true. and you know, be a good shooter. That's the thing. Like, True. It's more like a hit. I don't, I don't really make one-to-one comparisons. It's more like a Lonzo Ball thing. Mm, okay. Right? Like, and Lonzo's in a pretty good context with, like, two bigger creators. And even he still struggles sometimes. Like, yeah. they're both good spot of shooters. Um, they're both amazing passers, but they can't get into the paint. And then even Lazo's has, like, a better handle. And, like, he can get to the paint better, and he's a better on-ball defender as well. So 
I'm just saying that's like kind of the archetype that I see him as. Mm, okay. He'd be great on the Bucks though. Halliburton would be amazing on the Bucks. Yeah, that's why that's why I was kind of like seeing the trying to see the comparison, but yeah, he he would fit well there. Um another player that I see mocked to the Knicks, it's probably going to be a lot of Knicks talk cuz that's those are my guys, but um Obi Toppin. What's the appeal with Obi Toppin? Because I just see him as like from what I've seen, I've seen a lot of dunks and stuff and it's just like yeah, that's cool. And like, yeah, he's going to like bring like highlights to the garden. And I know he can stretch the floor somewhat, I believe. Like he shot a pretty good percentage from three, but I don't think he took that many threes in Dayton. So like, what's the appeal with Obi Toppin? So I think Obi Toppin is, um, he's a, he's a good prospect. I would say, uh, that the discourse on him has gone a little bit, uh, too, it's been a little bit too much hate on him. Because people are just calling him like a bust and stuff like that. I'm like, they don't really understand why people don't value him as much. Because I think he has a big chance to be rookie of the year. Because he is a phenomenal offensive player. Like, when you see those dunks, it's like, uh, people can't really stop him when he rolls to the paint. He's a a very good leaper. um, Very fast for his size and stuff like that. And then I do think he's going to be a good spot-up shooter. And he's a very good passer, too. So... I do believe like his overall score package is very nice. The problem is the defense, right? And yeah. There's going to be teams where it's just like that just don't care. Like, you know, Christian Wood's also a very bad defender too. But Obi's defense is like really bad. Like he can't move side to side. Uh, there's not one defensive coverage that he can commit to and do execute like properly. He can't really backpedal. Um, even though he jumps very high on offense, he just can't do it really on defense like that. And it's just easy to just get past him. So that's why um, you want to be able to play him at the five because it, if he plays at the four and he has a guard like Pascal Siakam or Jason Tatum or like a Zion, they're going to like cook him. They're going to drop 30 on him because it's just an easy like blow by every time. So. Yeah, that's my that's my concern because it's like we have Julius Randle and like Julius Randle is basically like he's a good, he's a pretty good offensive player. He'll get you 20 and 10, but defensively he's like a turnstile and that's why we have like Mitchell Robinson down there. So I was wondering like how is that going to work? Like we already have Julius Randle. What's the point of drafting Julius Randle sort of kind of if you get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, it's just that's just a horrible pick to me like even worse than the Halliburton one yeah well maybe maybe it's better than the Halliburton one I would say because I think his uh, offensive output is going to be nice and the problem is you guys might win a little bit too much because he is because <laughs> he, he is old like he's like I think he's 22 yeah he's turning 23 soon yeah yeah so like I I, I know he's he's gonna get buckets I know that it's just the defense the thing is, the defense is so bad, it's going to affect team building, and you need so many guys to cover for him that yeah. a bad team can't draft him high because they don't have that um, ability to do that. They don't have that set in stone. So what would your what would your ideal team for him be? Uh, Portland, probably. Mm, just, okay. Just off, they do- he'd, he'd play very well off the shooting gravity of CJ and Dame. And I don't think they're going to be able to get, like, defensive wings. Like, they used to have an uh, Alfarika Aminu, sorry, Aminu, and uh, Mo Harkless. I don't think they're going to be able to get those wings. 
that those type of wings. So might as well just go offense and everything and then have him become like one of the best rollers in the NBA. Yeah. That's the only team I see really. Like but they have to like completely disregard defense. Yeah, and that's that's been their main issue since they let go of those guys. Yeah. They like they get a lot of points, but they also, you know, it's freely out. Yep. So um another prospect that I see kind of get disrespected a bit is Cole Anthony. I feel like his situation in North Carolina is what really has his stock where it is. And I see him I see a lot of mock drafts have him going from like mid first round to like late first round. And it's like, I mean, the I know he could get buckets, but like at North Carolina, it it just wasn't his that that team just didn't fit him. So how do you feel about Cole Anthony? I have mixed opinions. Um, I do think he has he was in a bad context, but he was also just a bad decision maker too. So it was kind of hand in hand. And uh, I think he's an off guard that could be shouldn't be picked in the top ten, honestly. But I I still think he's a lottery type of talent, mm-hmm. and he's a very good shooter off the ball. I just think he's just a bad decision maker on the ball. So if you put him next to someone like that already uh, gets a lot of on ball possessions, like a Devin Booker, then his his um his decision-making issues will be less minimized and he could just be focused on putting the ball in the basket. And he's a very good shooter um, and like could be a chance to be like a really, really good one. So I think he works very well in that Fred Van Vliet role. Mm, Okay. Okay. But yeah, not not, like I would, I don't see the, Oh, Cole Anthony number one. Uh, potential pick that people thought he was going to be in high school. I just don't see that upside anymore. I just think he's going to be a good off guard, and that that's very good. Like that's a that's a good archetype to be in. A lot of teams need that. Yeah. Um. So between NBA draft, Twitter, and like content creators like yourself, you guys seem to have very different like perspective on certain prospects than NBA front offices. Because like I'm hearing about certain guys that. NBA front offices are like very low on and have their have low on their big boards while a lot of you guys have them higher on your boards. What do you think is the reason for that? Do you think it's more of um just you guys having the ability to spend more time watching these guys individually or or do you, do you think it's something else? Um I think some teams lie about how much they watch. Mm, okay. And they kind of do it later on, like later than they should. So when they have like Desmond Bain in the fifties, and then yeah. all of a sudden now he's closer to being a late teens guy, it's because they just hadn't watched him, right? <laughs> like that's what I just think. They were just skeptical of his um his what's it called his statistical profile. But I mean, if you looked at his three point percentage, I don't know why you wouldn't turn on the film, but. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's scouting and like, you know, Intel, it's kind of weird. It's like, it's word, of, it's word of mouth stuff. Like, you know, if they hear a lot about like Desmond Bain, because I know NBA front offices, they do look on Twitter all the time. So I guess if they just see all of these guys and then they, it's what happens is like a guy, everyone would like a guy on draft Twitter and then super late into the draft, 
that guy would just skyrocket because NBA teams are just finally caught up. That's how I think um, it goes. Mm, okay. Okay. That's interesting. So um, it's it's smokescreen season right now, as as I like to call it, because like a lot of teams are just like saying they're interested in this guy. Like Golden State, we've seen like they've been interested with like seven different guys over the past two weeks. And it's in- and I bring up Golden State is because we're in a unique situation, I think, this year with this draft because it's not as deep or it is deep, but it's not as star studded, I guess, as like we said before with like franchise changers. And we've got the first two picks in this draft going to teams that don't necessarily need them. So like with Minnesota, we have a team that desperately probably wants to get to the playoffs to satisfy Cat and D'Lo. And then you have Golden State who's looking to get back into contention. So what is what do you think, what would you do if you were Minnesota and Golden State with this pick, if you keep it? And what, what would you at least try to get in a trade with if you were to do that as well? Um, it's complicated. I don't think those picks have so much value. I don't know what exactly I'll try to get. I'll try to get a, a wing player. Um, I don't know. For the Warriors, I'll probably try to, uh, I don't know, like this. I, I think they have to end up keeping it because there's just not one good player that helps them right away that's worth that pick. Yeah. But I will say um, I think the Warriors should – well, I, I'll, I'll start with the Timberwolves, obviously, first. I think they'd probably have to <clears throat> I, – I don't know. I, I'm on the fence, so I think they'd probably have to take Ant because I just think – like, Lamelo's the better prospect to me, but him next to D'Lo, it's just – you're not going to get the full Lamelo experience and that his value is from being on the ball all the time, so – if you're going to be with another on-ball guard, it's just tough. I just don't see it really happening. Unless you trade D'Lo, but you really can't because, you know, Cat, that's his cat. That's Cat's best friend. Yeah. So I probably have to take Ant there because if, I mean, I mean, Wiseman's obviously a no. And then I just don't, I wouldn't pick Okonwu number one. And if I talk about Okoro, Devin Cell number one, I'd probably get fired. So I'd probably have to. <laughs> Even though I think those are better options, I will say that. Yeah. So I'll just stick with Ant and then hope that works out. So, how do you, so like, because I've, I've heard today, like, I've seen today that the Timberwolves, they, they've worked out LaMelo Ball. How do you feel about that fit with LaMelo and D'Lo in the backcourt? Because I know defensively that's just, like, a nightmare, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have LaMelo be, like, the main operator and then D'Lo play more off the ball. Mm-hmm. But it just, I don't know how you're going to convince D'Lo to do that because he is, you know, he has a years in the NBA. They uh, traded for him, probably promised him, you know, you're going to get a lot of on-ball reps, you and Cat, you know. And that's why I feel like they'd probably advocate, like the players would probably advocate for Edwards because he'll just be the off-ball guy. But, yeah, like I said, um, I think D'Lo works pretty well off the ball, but both of them... Like, if you're just having them play on-ball, off-ball, it just both minimizes both of them. Like, it doesn't – neither of them get better. Like, they don't help each other. So, I just don't love the fit. Yeah, I, I don't like it either because it's like 
with with Lamelo and D'Lo, they both excel on ball. So taking them, taking either one of them off ball, just like minimizes their their um output. And with Anthony Edwards, I think it makes more sense now, especially when we're seeing what happened with um Malik Beasley, who was probably expected to be the starting two guard, most likely. You would have Anthony Edwards come in and probably take that spot now if you if you draft him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's really happening with Malik right now, but I think Malik and Ants can still play together if anything um, is going to, like, you know, how do I say it? Um, if Malik just, you know, all the charges go away and stuff, like he's still an NBA player, I think they can yeah. still work very well together. Um, but, I mean, I, I do like Ant there. It's just, Ant as a prospect, I'm not really uh, sure about, he has a lot of questions. What 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 are those questions? Because I know he's like great offensively, but like, are those questions on the other side of the ball defensively, or is it like playmaking stuff? Or, I mean, it's on both ends. Uh, it is just his overall, yeah, overall feel for the game. I mean, he has all the talent in the world. It's just his overall feel for the game is uh pretty poor, and he just makes decisions that would make you know rip your hair out <laughs> and um i mean there's some questions about his ri- wiring like how um if he's really wants to win or not and mm, okay i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i wouldn't i wouldn't really uh use I, I wouldn't really like you know um make assumptions on that but there is like there's a little bit there's a little bit of that that kind of concerns me though, but like just the overall feel for the game and how he approaches it. Like there'll be times where he's just completely like checked out, doesn't really want to like be assertive, and then when he's down twelve, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go off right now," and then he'll drop like twenty in a quarter. I mean, yeah, similar to that, like similar to that Michigan State game, right? Where he yeah, like, like and that happens like more than um than you think. It's just on smaller scales, obviously. It's not like he's gonna drop thirty and a half randomly. It's just he just has these bursts where he's like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna be completely locked in on both ends," and it's just I don't know how you're gonna keep someone like that um, consistently locked in. Like I just don't know, and what approach you would take that. So it's gonna be tough. Yeah, the the top two teams in this in this draft really have some tough decisions to make with whether they keep it or not. Um, another person that's been rumored to go within that range is um, James Wiseman. It, James Wiseman is a very interesting prospect to me because of like his situation that happened this year in college where he was only able to play three games and then he just ultimately left the school. So there's not much of recent tape on him. So a lot of people just automatically assume that he should be like a top three lock to either golden state or like a charlotte but how do you feel about james wiseman or and do you think he's even the best big in this class i don't feel that good about him i don't think he's the best big in the class um he played three games two of them were against like like players that are as tall as us and then (laughs) um one game was against oregon which is a good game oregon did i say it right i don't know um, Oregon, yeah, Oregon. My bad. Um, from Canada. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, um, 
And then he got like he had like foul trouble there that whole game, so we didn't get to see like you know him actual like comfortable on the floor. So it's it's pretty limited tape, but in high school, um, and the EYBL wasn't like amazing either. So there's a lot of concerns about his uh, defensive versatility and just offensive feel for the game. Like there's just he thinks he's a creator, but he's not. His self awareness as a player is um, lower than you might think. But I mean, in a Golden State world, he'd fit uh, pretty good. It's just, would you draft a guy that's number two uh, for a role that you had JaVale McGee play? I don't know. I don't think I would. So, Yeah, that's my whole thing. A lot of people mock him to Golden State, and I'm like, Golden State can get what he does or what they need him to do for less value than they're going to be paying for the rookie scale. Like, and they have Marquise Chris and Kevon Looney on the squad as well. So, I, 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 yeah, I don't really see the appeal in, in drafting James Wiseman, especially when you take into consideration the rookie scale and then the extension afterwards if you keep him. It's like that's a lot of money to pay a guy who's just going to be rim running and possibly just blocking shots. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be a good rim protector in time. It's just I don't know if he's ready for playoff basketball on day one. Like, you know. And that's what they're going to be doing. I'd rather just draft a wing. I'd look at uh, Okoro, Vassell, Denny even. And yeah, it just because, you know, wings are like rotation wings are way harder to find. So I'd rather just yep. draft that if I had to pick someone. Yeah, Golden State, like a lot of teams, they really thrive on their wing depth. And I think that's what Golden State will need, especially if they want to contend this year. And I think that's why we've heard so many rumors of them trying to trade back, because I think if they pick a guy like a Coro or a Vassell, they don't want to pick that person too high, but they want to pick them where in a safe range where or like that's why we heard them rumored to like want to trade with like possibly the Knicks at number eight or another team around that area. So. Yeah, the Knicks are in a pretty good spot, actually, because they're going to get one of those guys that um, are prob- could probably be like a top three player in this draft. So I think they're in a good spot. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, with the Knicks, because let's, let's talk about the Knicks, actually, because the Knicks are an interesting spot. They have, I, I wanted them to, at first I did want them to get the number one pick because, you know, I was like huge on LaMelo Ball and I was like, you know, put LaMelo and pick a role with Mitch, you know, that's money. But then I was also, then I started to think about it more. I was like, does LaMelo necessarily fit next to RJ? Because with RJ, you, you still want more spacing around him. And I'm not trying to say like LaMelo's like a really bad shooter, but like, as of right now, like, like he's not the, the most ideal fit, I think probably next to RJ. How do you feel about his fit next to RJ? I'd probably look at it a different way because I think Lamelo's a better prospect than RJ. So I'd probably say, how does RJ fit with Lamelo? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you want to look at it that way, um, I think Lamelo's a pretty solid catch and shoot, uh, catch and shoot guy. Mm-hmm. We didn't see it too much, but in the limited sample in the NBL, he was pretty good at it. So I would say he's a pretty good uh, spot of shooter. And like I said, with fan, with Van Vliet kind of. Uh, takes him down a notch in the usage, which is probably best for him. And this doesn't give him as much pressure to be the lead guy. So I would just, I would like that fit. And then RJ is going to have to adjust and be a better off-ball player too. 
So that's how yeah. I look at it. Because Lamelo is just a better prospect. Like if if I mean if they, I don't think you guys would probably get Lamelo now, but I mean figuratively, that's how I would look at it. He'd be like the number one guy. Yeah, my ideal picks for at least eight for the Knicks if they do remain at eight because you know there's all these rumors of teams trading. But if they do keep the pick at eight, my ideal picks were were from the jump have always been like Killian Hayes, Vassell, Kira Lewis. Like those are those are my guys that I'm looking at for the Knicks because like the Knicks need either a solid point guard or they need like a solid wing next to RJ to help supplement with defense and shooting. Yeah, I would also start looking at Patrick Williams. Um, That's another guy I, w- I was also looking into as well. Yeah, but those four guys are, would be all really good picks for the next. I, I would just, I would love those picks. So. What do you think is the reason for Patrick Williams' sudden rise? Do you think it's just more exposure that teams are getting to his tape? They probably saw him work out <laughs> and realized mm-hmm. he was like a beast. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, because yeah, his body. his frame is built like crazy, and then yeah. lower body's even crazier. Like he's just a, he's just he's just deep. Like he's like a bodybuilder at like eight when, when he was like eighteen. So it's like, Sheesh. and he actually has skilled. I mean, I'm I'm not saying he's a real bodybuilder. I'm just saying I'm making just a comparison. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, like, and he has he has actual skill. I think uh, he's a better shooter than thirty two percent. In high school, in high school. Uh, like combining his high school Elabiel numbers and his freshman uh, year, he was like a forty-two percent shooter with mm, like five hundred okay. attempts. So I'd rather take that than uh, I think he had sixty three-point attempts in college. So it's like I'd rather take five hundred than sixty. You know, so um, I think right. he's better shooter than that. I think he has playmaking um, ability and ran some pick and roll. He ran more pick and roll than Vassell, honestly. I think. Uh, oh wow! In the film. So, and that's really cool because he didn't, he came off the bench. So, you know, and like, you know, the coach is very good. So it's like, if they trust, if the coaching staffs trust him to do that, then you clearly know that he has the, he's good enough to do it. And then as a slasher, he's developing as a finisher, but I mean, he can get to the rim pretty easily, I think. Well, not pretty easily, but it's just, I think he works very uh, well off the ball and could finish at the rim. If um he has some problems with his like leg muscles, like his thighs are his thigh muscles are too big and that kind of messes up his mobi- overall mobility, so he's looking kinda stiff sometimes. But if a team could fix that, I think he he'll be he'll have a way better first step and gets off the ground quicker and then, you know, he can use that a vertical explosion that he has. Yeah, and I think with like schools like Florida State where like one guy isn't really necessarily I, I don't want to say allowed to be the star but like they do things more by committee or they usually have someone else in the role where another guy can thrive as well i think that's where some of these guys end up being like steals in the draft like guys from kentucky as well as you mentioned in your tyrese maxi video like having him next to ashton higgins and emmanuel quickly probably overshadowed his his abilities that he'll probably be able to showcase when he's given a, a larger role on an NBA team. And I think that's what, that's what allows for some of these guys to slip in the drafts and become steals. But all along they were just this talented. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Florida state probably has a better system because they just, uh, they do it by committee. And then, 
Kentucky just uses this like keeps using this one circle action play that um has all uh all players except the point guard just coming off screens to shoot. And mm-hmm. I mean high school players, star high school players aren't used to be used used to that, right? They used to having the ball in their hands. So I think uh Florida State's offense is probably just a better way for um just 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 to develop as an off ball player. Like it's not for like a, a superstar to go to, but it's just you, there's going to be a, good, a lot of good players to come out of that um, out of that program. Yeah, like guys like Isaac and um, Malik Beasley. Yeah, uh, Terrence Mann, Kavengay. Yeah. Who else? Um, there's one guy I'm forgetting. Yeah, I just can't remember his name. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of future. Scotty Barnes is coming uh, this year. Yeah, be maybe a lottery pick. Yeah, they're they're up and coming program. They are for sure. Um, last question before we head out of here: Do you think that because we know March Madness is usually a time where some guys usually get their stock up? Do you think that March Madness would have done any specific prospect any justice this year? Um, maybe a guy like Payne Pritchard. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um. He just has that kind of game where he can just get hot and uh like steal everyone's hearts and be like, man, this guy should be like he could have like a DiVincenzo type of run, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he would make his way into like a first round pick. But I mean him, uh the Florida State guys are probably have high stock, but they probably go even higher. And then Trent Forrest, their their guard will probably be uh for sure get picked. I would say that. And hmm, I think, yeah, Trent Forrest and Payne Pritchard is like my clear guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I had, I had, um, I had Peyton Pritchard as well as someone I thought that would probably excel in the tournament because I've seen what he's done in previous years. I don't know if Cole Anthony would have got in because I know UNC's record was horrible. So I, if he was able to get into a tournament, I think if he got some consistency, he probably would have made some noise as well. Yeah, I don't know. You just never know because, like, one yeah. game you're out. And if he had, like, a bad game that first round, if he even got in, if they even got in the tournament, then it might even lower him, you know? Yeah. It's like he's an enigma. You, never, just, you just don't, you don't know. Well, actually, that wasn't the last question. This is the last question. Who do you have, who do you want your Raptors to take? Because I know you guys have a late first-round pick, I believe, right? Yeah, 29th. Okay, so who would you like to, for for them to take in that range? Uh, I'm praying every day that Jaden McDaniels falls to 29th so we can take Ah, I like Jaden McDaniels. Yeah, uh, I think he needs a very specific uh, couple of teams that could develop him into uh, a, a very good NBA player. I don't see... Like he's gonna be a creator. When people say he's gonna be the steal of the draft if everything goes right, it's like it's not like that. You you can say that um, about so many other prospects. Yeah, and like you can say that just every year you can have a guy like that. But it's like, yeah, the highlights are very good. Like he has a very nice highlight mixtape. But there's just so many things that you have to see in the film. And when you say Jane McDaniel steal of the draft, it's like I know you're not really watching like that. <laughs> you know, it's like he he can. I feel like he can be a very good, uh, good three point shooter, 
mm-hmm. could have the ability to attack closeouts and probably hit some pull-ups. I wouldn't use him as a pick-and-roll player, but I think he will have that, you know, one dribble, two dribble pull-up. I think he has that in his bag. Um, and as a, what's it called, defender, I think he'll be okay on the ball. I wouldn't put him on, like, uh, you know, like, I'd put him on the worst wing players. But as a rim protector, he gets a lot of blocks, so I would use him in that way. And I think he could be a very good help defender in that way. So it's like I see, like, a clear role for him. At 6'10", he can shoot. He can uh, pull up. And on defense, he gets stocks on – he gets a lot of blocks. So I think he can provide value for that. And that would just be amazing with Siakam and OG. <laughs> just everyone's just getting blocked at the rim. Oh, boy. Y'all defense would be ridiculous with that. Yeah. And it's just – and then if there's, like, the small chance that he could maybe be a creator, like maybe handle some pick-and-roll ability because he is still young, that would be, like, you know, very nice because, you know, when the Raptors have one of the best development staffs and there is a chance for unexpected development there. Yeah, that's for sure. Y'all development staff is top-notch. I, I wish the Knicks development staff would be like that. I mean, they got all the trainers now. You hope that happens, right? Like, they got a lot yeah. of Yeah, Yeah, they did hire a whole bunch of new um, development staff, so I am crossing my fingers for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully that hopefully that works out. Facts. Well, thank you, Rebel, for joining me for some draft conversation. Hope the listeners were informed and will have a better idea of the prospects on draft night. Um, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me at uh, Submarine Coach. I have a YouTube channel for NBA players, NBA draft prospects, and high school players. So if you like videos like that, go watch and go subscribe to the channel, Submarine Coach. Alright, y'all heard that and make sure y'all check out the links in the description i have the links to my website where i usually write some articles sometimes and make sure y'all follow us on social media and that's it